0: Hey parents, welcome back to The Journey. This is Dan Panetti. I've got uh, Pam Merriman and I have to go by your um, now new title, Dr. Merriman. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Yes. And you're one of our upper school English teachers. You've been teaching for a minute, a few years. Yes, right? So, so I... tell, tell the parents a little bit about, um, let's, let's start um, with the most recent and then go backwards. Okay. Let's start with what the doctorate was in because I want to know about that. And then we'll go back to how you actually got into teaching.
1: Okay. Well, my doctorate, I just finished uh, a Doctor of liberal studies at SMU. It is a humanities degree, which means it's a collection of the sense, honestly, the whole thing is based on what it means to be human. So taken from the standpoint of psychology, history, creativity, human rights, and probably one more thing that I can't remember. Anyway, you have a
0: doctoral degree in what it means to be human. human.
1: Yes. And it is really just about the human experience. And it was fascinating. It was... I was in a cohort, I think, of about 18 people, and within that group there are four of us who are very open, confessing Christians. Okay. And so that was a fascinating time to bond with some people in a very secular setting um, and also have a chance to bear witness to certain things and to talk about our faith um, in a way, but on in an intellectual world as well, which I think often— Um, And I warn my kids about this as they go away to college. I said, sadly, one of the first assumptions of someone when you are a Christian and you say, oh, I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus Christ and follow him, is they just assume you're stupid. So in many ways you have to not like, you know, just forcefully prove yourself. But the idea that part of the reason the academic rigor we have at PCA is the idea that they're not going to respect you in matters of religion and the matters of faith if they cannot respect you in the world that they live in, in the sense of what are that academic discipline and, is. And can I tell
0: you, honestly, I think it's a, it's a big thing for kids to understand that concept, um, the way that you speak, the way that you carry yourself, all is a part of your testimony. Uh, and when when you're when you're just a silly person, um, and you walk onto a college campus, and, and other students see you, and other professors see you, and they're like, "Oh, there's the Christian," and they have a lifestyle um, that just is not. I, I don't think you have to be serious all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I think you know God has a great sense of humor. You can have a great sense of humor. Um, but I, I just I watch our kids fall into this unfortunate trap um, where their lives are kind of like meaningless and silly and insignificant and and run by TikTok, and and you just go, you know what? There's so much more meaning to life. And when you, when you don't offer that to people who are watching you and they're like, what, what would a person who follows this God look like? And they see so many of our Christians who have lives that really are not very significant. It, it, it does not do well, I think in representing who God is to the people around us. So I'm glad you, you, you know, that's your preparation for our students and you, you got to live it out. You got to, you know, do it at SMU and you know, the four of you kind of like saying, hey, we're, we're actually intelligent people and we believe in a God.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was an awesome opportunity. And um, then last summer I was or spring, I was awarded the Eudora Welty Research Fellowship. So I got to go to Jackson, Mississippi for two weeks and do research in the archives there um, as part of my dissertation, which was on the Shoebird, which is a children's book, the only children's book that Eudora Welty wrote. Okay. And um, so it kind of has some significance to that and basically sort of how that's an insight into... Her life into the mm. time period in which she was writing, which was the early 60s, uh, living in Jackson, Mississippi, as a person who was supporting of integration and very much against racism, which for a, a white woman at the time would not have been the most popular stance, sure. obviously. Sure, would have been a very difficult stance to take. And she took that stance. Yeah. And um, so a lot of it is how that book was affected by 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 all the different things that were feeding into her life at the time. And so I just finished my defense. I'll actually walk in May, which Day. I'm very excited about. That's but, so and awesome. I appreciate – also, I just want to be very clear in saying that the support that I have gotten from Dr. Cole, from Dr. Nichols, from the entire English department, from mm-hmm. Dan Panetti, from so many people, my students included, has been phenomenal. And I've really appreciated that because I could not have done what I have done if I didn't have so, the support of the school, yeah. the support of my family, obviously, first and foremost. But then for the school, like – to say this is important to them. And Dr. Cole actually tuned in and listened to my entire um, dissertation events, which I think was also a great witness to um, the people who were there, like my professors you know, who were on my committee, to me to be able to introduce them to her and for them to understand that, you know, at Prestonwood Christian Academy, which sometimes, you know, the, the Christian part definitely is a pronounced thing. Yes. But academics is important and is celebrated as, you know, part of, you know, because in the Bible, I mean, the writers of the, the, the scribes of the scriptures, you know, I mean, all inspired by God, obviously they were incredibly intelligent men Absolutely. who knew very much about their own culture and very much about like, you know, and obviously about writing about a number of things that, you know, they weren't over here just slacking around, hanging out. I mean, although they weren't on TikTok, But but, um, and that's, what's important is that, like you said, everything that we do is yeah. part of our, our witness yes. and, that's what people notice first, because they're not going to listen to you about your testimony of the faith if they don't respect you for who you are in the world that they deem their respects from, which Amen. are, right. you know, whether that's academics or that's a lot of it's just work ethic, integrity. Mm-hmm. Those are things that can separate you to say, I do this not like because the world expects it, but I do this because I'm committed to a Lord and Savior who has commanded me to do this. And that's what I'm following.
0: Yep. That's good. That'll preach right there. Well, thank you, Dan. Yes. So um, let's 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 go back. Um, mm-hmm. Pam Merriman, young person growing up, um, was English um, the study right? I mean, were you a great student growing up? Did you always know you wanted to go into teaching? What did that look like for you?
1: Well, in a very odd way. Early on, I wanted to be a math teacher, but then I took algebra one, <laughs> and so that was it. You know, that was Every, like, everybody has like that
0: class, right? I no, took geometry. Yeah, no, well, of course, ge- <laughs> like, that was like ninth grade, the easiest. You
1: know, apparently, what I'm actually good in is arithmetic. Okay, and not actually math. As, gotcha. you know, Real, real, real deal. Yeah, I had some incredible. High school English teachers, and really, actually, speech was what I went into when I was originally going away to college. Okay. And um, where did you grow up? One of I grew up in Dallas. I went to First Baptist Academy. Okay. My sister and I were the first two students enrolled at First Baptist Academy. My no parents have receipt number one, oh my which is goodness. so bizarre. Um, because then I've really just my whole life has been part mm. of Christian education, yeah. which um, is a I mean, obviously, it's a big part of my heart for many, myriad of reasons, but. So when I graduated from high school, I mean, one thing, the first day of my senior year in high school, my dad lost his job. Mm. So that did not, you know, set the stage well for going away to college, which was not as expensive as today, but still an expense. And so um, through really a lot of just kind of like tumultuous things, I realized that, you know, it was. God meets your needs and not your wants. And of course, I wanted to go away to school, like all my friends were going away to school, but my need was to start a college education. So I went to Eastfield Junior College, Eastfield Community College for two years. Okay. Um, God used that in a really odd way because um, you know, I was not happy necessarily about that, but I knew that I didn't want to put my family into any more distress. I could pay my way through that. Sure. I, because of that, I was around town. So I worked at Mount Lebanon Baptist Encampment, which is out in Cedar Hill. Okay. That was very influential in my life. I worked there for my four summers all the way through college, actually, and that is where... I very much developed my sense of leadership, my confidence, and my sense of humor. I know you thought I was always funny, but I just got to be funny then. (laughs) And um, I totally enjoyed that time. And oddly enough, my dad had worked there. It's where my parents met in Mount Lebanon, and my son ended up working there for seven years, actually. That's crazy. So it's been a huge part of my life. Um, And then also I babysat for a family, Chuck and Lydia Boto, and um, for those two years, and it's a long story about why all of that was in, in, crucial. But ultimately, it was seven years later, they introduced me to Chuck's first cousin, whose name is Robert Edsel Merriman, Jr. So oddly enough, the thing I didn't want to have happen in my life turned out to be the thing that really dictated the fact that God brought this incredibly godly man who has been my my solid rock through all these years and definitely responsible for—he you know, he was the one who encouraged me to get my master's and my doctorate. I mean, he's the person who—I think Rob— understanding so much more of who I am and who God made me to be than mm-hmm. I could ever see for myself. And I think I've done the same for him. And I think that's a really important part about marriage is that God brings people together who basically bring flourishing in each of those people's and, lives. By, you,
0: you, you could like literally write a book. On that, because that has been lost in today's culture. It has. Right? Ma- marriage has become about what I get out of it. Mm-hmm. And and the, and the reality is it's like, well, honestly, there's a little bit of that that's, that's very true. And what you get is the refinement of another person coming along right. to, to see you through their particular eyes of, of love, um, but also of... Of a way of, of making you a better individual, yes. of making something you know that you didn't even see yourself, right? My wife has done that for me. Uh, I hopefully have done that for her. Um, and I think we miss that right because we've we've kind of made it into this like self centeredness. Right. But there is something, you know, as opposed to just serving your spouse, there's something great about how your spouse, in a sense, makes you a better version of yourself. And it's a beautiful yeah, picture.
1: I totally agree. That's so and cool. And that's like, yeah. yeah, so that's how I met Rob, and, Yes, um, which was after college. But like from there, I went to Howard Payne University and another family I babysat for, Dan and Linda Arnold, they paid my way to Howard Payne. Oh, so cool. that was, you know, just a gift from God. And I... Greatly appreciate that. And that's one thing my husband has always said. We have not gotten to the point where we have all that money. But if we did, that's one thing Rob has always wanted to do right. was to help people who could not afford to go to college to go to college. Because then I realized that family that invested in me, everything in a sense that I've done in my ministry has been in part mm-hmm. because of their sacrifice and their willingness yeah. to share well, their You've taken um, that um, and blessings.
0: invested in thousands and thousands yep. of young people along the way. So
1: so that's been an amazing thing. And yeah. then um, so I went to our pain and I had an incredible um Professor there and it was Dr. Evelyn Romig and and Howard Payne which is a, one of the Baptist, one of the eight Baptist colleges in the state of Texas that's not <laughs> Baylor so sorry I had to say that um, anyway you can cut that out right no, I like no it. I'm just kidding sure. um, anyhow is it and it um, definitely that had an impact on my life and that was when I decided. You know what? I could be an English teacher. I remember one day I gave an oral report on something. Everybody else, I guess, had sort of stumbled through theirs. And when I got finished, Dr. Romick looked at the whole class, looked at me, looked back at the class and said, that is an oral report. There you go. I was like, yes. (laughs) So for some reason, that moment stood out in my mind that I thought, you know, this is really what I want to do. So. I graduated from Howard Payne in '85, and then I uh, went back to my home school where I had graduated uh, at First Baptist Academy. And I was the first te- first former student to return to teach there, and then that you know became. By the time I left there, I think there were 28 of us on staff there that were which, alumni. Which would of be course.
0: unique, right? Because we've had some of those yes, at PCA. Yes, say we've had th- several just, years. You walk the hall as a student, and then you walk the hall as a teacher, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just kind of a different feel an environment right yeah, it's so great. and and you've you've you know you obviously taught at first baptist for a number of years and then came up here to PCA Correct. Um, so you've been in right christian education for how long
1: for 38 years 38 years so I was 28 at FBA and then I've been at PCA this is my 10th year okay. at PCA decade I can't believe it's gone by that quickly I can't either and yes and I've been incredible I remember when you came in I know and all the crazy connections and uh, <laughs> this is the place where I've taught many of the children of people that I taught early on in my career yeah. at um, at FBA. Which is a strange reality. It is, right? and that's when the, you know yes. you're really, really old. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it does dawn on you when you're like, wait a second, I just had you in school. Uh, here's my kids. And you're like, what? <laughs> and, so.
1: and I particularly feel called to teach high school, and now a lot of people have asked me when I finish my doctorate, and like, are you going to go teach at college? Like, well, I've taught some adjunct co- classes at Criswell College, yeah. but... I really do feel called to this age group. And I think I knew that there was a moment when I was graduating from college and people were like, oh, you know, you're so smart. And I mean, I was a straight A student, but that's because I had no life. And that's still true. And so I and and so I it, for a moment, I had this pride thing where I was like, you know what? You're right. like, I'm so cool. I need to go like, you know, get my go ahead and get my master's and do this and teach on the college level or do something. I don't know. And it was really strange because I then went back. My mom actually was at FBA. She was the school secretary there, and then she also taught typing and Bible or whatever. So I went back there um, to visit her at one point in time, and I was just walking the hall. I can remember where I was. Like, I, I mean, that building is still there. And just this thing that washed over me that's like, nope, this is your calling. Like, it was just a moment. And um, what's weird is, you know, for the 28 years I spent, I could walk by that spot every day. Finally, kind of had to because it was only, like, so many halls. Um, But, yeah, so I just—I felt like that, and I still feel like that's really where my rapport is. And there are times when I'm thinking, I'm getting too old to do this, and I probably am. But uh, I—as long as I can still make those connections and um, feel like that I have—the Holy Spirit has given me the ability to speak into young people's lives— Yes. Um, and more than anything, it's because he's given me a love for them, and that's really what speaks into them. Amen. Because they they really don't. I mean, the old adage about they're not going to care what you know until they know you care is is very much very true. true. And so God has given me that, even at times when it's required some patience and mercy and grace and <laughs> compassion <laughs> for that particular student. Um, yes, <laughs> because I do. I never. I never. One is I never demand any more of my students than I'm willing to give them myself. Right. Um, try to always put myself in their position. That's one thing going back to school has reminded me we were going through capstone. I was going through finishing my dissertation and getting ready for my defense. And I said, I know what it is to try to like do all these things and have that stress and pressure and be trying to do, you know, different, you know, they have, I realize seven, eight, whatever different classes along with extracurricular and all of that, that it is a lot of pressure and stress and trying to manage all those things. So it's been that way, and then you know, also just a sense that truly everybody has a story, and that what a student brings to my room, I've known really pretty much for all of my career that about ninety plus percent of what goes on in my classroom from the student really has very little, if anything, to do with me. It has to do with how are their relationships at home, how are their relationship with peers, how's their relationship with the Lord. Obviously, first and foremost, yep. where are they within themselves? What in, in them is hurting and insecurities, and and all those things because. You know, that's what comes out of us is usually whatever is inside of us. And so that sense to be able to step back and know this isn't about me, and I need to take my own pride and my own feelings Mm -hmm. and whatever out of this and try best to minister to them from that sense. You know, being disconnected in one way but totally connected in another, which is
0: kind of saw the little irony yeah now you mentioned the word capstone right yes. so, some of our parents are, are listening and they know exactly what that means because their kids are in high school and so they're either ha- they have a senior and they just went through it right or they're in the kind of in the midst of it right um, they're about they, to be they, done yes they're about to be done thank you <laughs> um or they're they're a you know middle school lower school parent and they have no idea what you're talking about um i believe you brought capstone to pca is that true or was it here before you got here
1: no it wasn't here before i got okay, here so
0: you're, you're, aren't you the originator of the the idea
1: you're going to blame this on me no, no. i'm, I'm going to give you credit this is going to credit they're all going to come to our room yeah. you know the reason they're going to be like little riots in front of my classroom <laughs> i won't give you my room number maybe you'll have to find me um yeah so dr taylor actually wanted um a capstone project okay. he'd been talking about it for a while so okay. when i came on board we tried one thing the first year i was here there was another department head but then the next year, when I became department head, I kind of had had this vision when yep. he talked about capstone. I said, so "What I really love is for it to be based around a piece of literature, yes. and them to write a philosophy paper, um, which is Bible slash philosophy, but particularly yep. it's philosophy yep. paper, a history paper, and a literary paper on one work because every piece of literature, though it's you know literary merit and then it's piece of literature, it obviously is written out of a particular." Um, culture, so to speak, or you of what's going on at the time that the person is writing. I mean, you have things like Tale of Two Cities, which is really obvious about the French Revolution. Um, But then you also have things um, where it's more like Jane Eyre. It's like, well, it's the Victorian period. And it's not like she makes any reference to any, that Bronte makes any reference to any historical event. Right. But,
0: but the, it's, the it's, idea everything's got to be set in a time period. In a time period, right. yeah.
1: So, you know, what's going on in the Victorian period, yeah. the, the religious beliefs of the time, um, this, the culture of the time, the economic structures, all of that. So essentially, and then, you know, so everything has that historical background to it. And it does help to understand a piece of literature to know that setting in which the author is writing, what things he or she may be addressing at the time. And then philosophically, there are also philosophical aspects that come through sure. of, you know, there's so many places that are existentialists, like that's, you know, just these people creating meaning in their yeah. own lives, whatever. And so the great Gatsby there. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, let me construct this house and myself, like, like literally construct who I am out yep. of nowhere, change yep. my name, etc. So there is that sense of what's the philosophy that this, um, That this author, and most of them to some extent were kind of aware of that, like not necessarily the name of it, but certainly their view of life itself in this philosophical vein. And so, what we do with this piece is they pick a piece of literature that's usually something we've taught here at PCA, but some of them outside of that, as though, you know, but they're also of literary merit. Um, No, like, you know, John Gresham or We're Not Running on the Hunger Games. Sorry to insult. Okay. (laughs) So, I'm not saying that those are not, you know, fine for what they are. So, they so, start so with the know stu- yeah,
0: The students their senior year get to pick yes. A they get piece to pick that piece of literature and they right. write a historical and they, paper on it. Three uh, different in their History classes and then yep. they
1: write a philosophy paper on it, um, for Mr. Bannis. and then they write their like a literary aspect of it. So by the time they get to the end of the year, they have looked at this piece this piece of literature from multiple angles, mm-hmm. which is really kind of this holistic sort of definitely what the liberal arts is, you know, in humanities. That's right. And then the final piece of it all, really, just truly the capstone of the capstone, is writing the biblical synthesis paper. Which that is, so we take the five portrait pieces of a graduate from mm-hmm. um, PCA, which have been in place for I don't know, dec- I mean, I think really since the the inception of the school, of what it is that when a young man or woman graduates from PCA, these are the pillars, in a sense, that we would hope that they would be they would have learned to base their life on. Every one of those are supported by scripture, and so they take one of those. And they use it as a lens to see all of the work in a sense that they've done. So it's like if you take all this and you put it through the biblical perspective, especially like existentialism, you look at that. Well, you know, that that is – although there's Kierkegaard, I mean, there is this aspect of Christian existentialism. But most of what they're dealing with is secular. And, you know, it's like God, you know, creates meaning. We don't create our own meaning. He, you know, crafted us in the womb. To have this purpose of life. Yep. So, um, and our purpose is to praise and worship him. So, um, you know, that, so they look at that or they can look at the historical, but basically it's kind of a time that's really a more personal kind of journal kind of writing because they use first person and all, really just to look at what they've learned that can infuse in, in, um, be ingrained in their Christian walk, Mm -hmm. that they can integrate that in from that piece. And hopefully what that does for them is an understanding that you can do that with really anything that you learn anywhere. It's like, how do you integrate that in, you know, or understand why that is not, and I know going through the courses I just went through, understanding why this is not something that I accept as truth, you know, this is somebody else idea of this and biblically it is contradictory and that's one thing to get them to understand so many of them early on they wanted to try to they're like well there's nobody in my you know in my book I don't see any of these christian principles i was like no but the thing is god's truth is all truth so if he says that this is problematic then a lot of what literature bears out is the ramifications and the consequences Absolutely. of not living you know a spirit filled life and Realizing that which, people which is why from a secular, a lot, a lot of literature is,
0: is unfortunately kind of dark and depressing. All of it.
1: <laughs>
0: well, Be, because, because it's not—it's not, it's not yep. just the Christian story, right? There's, there's not, you know, the, the redemption and the hero comes in and makes everything okay, right? A lot of great literature is. This doesn't make sense, and there's, there's 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 pain and there's suffering, and what do we do with it, right? And 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 people wrestle with those things, and that makes a great story when you when you read that, and it's it's a very profound. I think you know Anna Karenina is one of my oh favorite my. books, and it is it, yeah, it's so dark, dark. and depressing, yep. right? And and you and you read it, and you go okay. So when I look at this through a biblical lens, right, it, it doesn't take away. You know the effects of sin, right? But when I look at it from a biblical lens, there's a there's an answer, right? That you know this author is not getting to because they don't know Christ and they haven't inserted Christ into the story, um, and so that's what we want our students to do. We want them to see, right? If you don't insert Christ into the story, this is this is what life looks like without him, right? Right. It, and it, I I actually had a student sad.
1: one time tell me at the end of my course, say, you know, I I really, not like I guess enjoyed. That sounds really weird, but anyway, grow grew, you know, through through your English course, she said, because now I realize what Jesus saved me from. Exactly. And so that is true. you know. Yes. And, and the realization that even on a secular level, people know the problem. They mm. don't know the answer or the solution, but yeah. they certainly know the problem. Yeah. And they, true, true. so much of what literature is, is everybody pursuing all these different avenues to try to bring meaning and purpose and fulfillment to their lives. Yeah. And so in that search, and even those of us who know Christ as Savior, we get off that beaten path. You know, we're not the beaten. We are in the beaten path, actually. We get off the path of what God would have for us in seeking him. And also yeah. the realization, which is very difficult, is that, you know, that's not necessarily going to come in this world. And that's one of the hardest things to Amen. understand is the pain, the suffering, um, you know, like just uh, in anything, whether that's illness or the sudden deaths of of someone a, a loss yep. a you know a, a time where you know there's an economic challenge whatever it is realizing that you know ultimately that our life the the, the fulfilling life that god promised is is not in the not going to be in this like corporeal world that we live in right yep. now that it's a yep. transcendent thing and but, i think that's we're a not, hard but part. we're not
0: left hopeless no right grapes of wrath right okay. it's just you know it's it's awful it's bad you know look at all the death and devastation you like I'm really sad at the end of this, right? I mean, I was just talking about East of Eden, same thing, right? I mean, yes, it's, it is. It, it's it's sad. There's no redemptive value, but our, our kids need to understand that's how most of the world goes through their life. That they they don't see the hope of Christ, right? When they lose a loved one, right? And and yes. you know, and when you know, the scripture says we don't we don't grieve as the world grieves, right? We 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 expect that we're going to see that person again, right? That they're going to be with us in eternity with Christ. Well, if you don't have that hope. Then, then what do you do?
1: So, you know, also, and I don't know if you know, my senior year. I guess you would. You've had three children come through. My, no, two children come through my class. Three. Three. Three go through. Yes, right, through the I senior. Think, yes. So in senior year, like, and I know some of the kids, like, they're like, why do we do this? Um, that's exactly how they all talk, <laughs> that's, by the way. Yeah, I was just uh, sounds that, very familiar. Um, Lamentations 3, 19 to 33 that uh. they memorize. And, you know, I remember my bitterness and my wandering, you know, the gall. Mm. Though I well remember it, my soul's downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope, because of God's great love we are not consumed. And so they memorize those scriptures. We do like 19 to 24, and then through 30, 27, then 30, 33. So by the end of the year, at least the first six verses of that, they have written four times, memorized hopefully to call mind. And I will say in all my years of teaching, the one thing that students like will contact me out of the clear blue about are about those verses Mm. Um, and the hope that they bring, because they acknowledge the fact that There will be, you know, I mean, they're written during the time that Jeremiah is trying to build the temple. And, you know, things are not going well. And, you know, like, you know, we could also go to the book of Job and look at things. Yes, it is a lament. We're we're lamenting. (laughs) Yes. And the idea, though, that God, that there is this recognition, even biblically, that it's not smooth sailing. Like, it is the bitterness and the gall. I well remember, you know, my soul is downcast. And I think, you know, God gives credence to the fact that, yeah, we... We feel it. You know, that's the other thing. I would tell people at times, like, I realize that, you know, I can talk about, like, my story of, you know, meeting my husband after, you know, but there was some grieving of those first year in junior college and all my friends coming back and having all these big friend gr- You know, it's like, mm-hmm. that was still very real. And I think sometimes in the Christian faith, we're like, oh, we believe in Jesus, and so somebody all good. It's like, but there's still grief. I mean, right. Jesus wept at Lazarus' tomb. It's like, yeah, he understood what it was to hurt as a human being. That's so why it's so important that he became fully human, as well as being fully God, that he felt that. Amen. And so, you know, in that sense of that, and then, yeah, I call to mind, therefore I have hope. God, because of God's love, we are not consumed, which means, you know, it it can't, again, we will always have this hope. uh, And his compassions are new every morning. And so I I tell my kids that assures you, though, if God is going to promise you his compassion, Mm -hmm. indirectly, that's sort of promising you, (laughs) it sounds like the wrong word, that there's going to be a need for it. Yes. And so this idea that his compassions never Absolutely. fail and that they're new every morning, and I tell them, you know, it's very much like the manna, that, you know, you can't soak it up while you're here at PCA. Amen. You know, you you can't store it all in a suitcase somewhere. Yep. It's like you have got to, and that's why, especially in times I think of difficulty and trial, and unfortunately sometimes that's the times that drives us to the place we should be all the time, regardless of what's going on in our lives, but... The idea that God's going to give you the measure of compassion that you need for that day and that he does understand that he does, you know, know that it actually hurts. He's yeah. not looking down, judging you going like, get over it because I'm here. Yeah. Um, he but, really but just like is the with manna,
0: you. Just like the manna, you, have, yeah, to you have to go get it. You
1: have to go yes, get it. You have to go get it. Yes, that's true. Right? I'm going to yeah. put
0: the manna out there, but if it's like, if I'm not going to go get it, the manna doesn't come to you. To me, <laughs> No, <laughs> right? it's very If true. you want God's grace and his compassion, right, and his peace and his comfort, Right? You have to then, seek. right, you've got to mm-hmm. seek. You've got to open up the word of God. You've got to yeah. be down on your knees in prayer. You've got to communicate with him, right? And his Holy Spirit will provide that just like he provided the manna, right? Mm-hmm. Go get it, right? Now, can I store up, you know, all this? And so whatever trouble comes at me five years later, it's like, no, no, but it'll yes. be there five years later. And
1: he did that for, <laughs> you know, how many years? The oh whole time goodness. they were trying yeah. to find the, yeah, the just, promised land, like, just know.
0: Just, <laughs> just don't complain that you don't have any quail. Right. Yes, right. It's not. It's not. <laughs> now it's coming it's out your nose.
1: So that—that's, you know, I think with the counterbalance. Because yeah. I get asked all the time, you know, why are these? Why do we have to read these depressing stories and all? It's like, you know, because, you know, all the good stuff in life usually we do pretty well handling that. Right. It's the really rough times that you know how do we respond to those things? And so much then again of what we read in literature is not people who are. Responding in godly ways, and exactly. not responding in ways that yep, yep. would follow what God had, has commanded us to do. But they are very human, and we can all do that, whether we, you know, have our faith in Christ or not, because you know we're we are still sinning. I mean, even though we're forgiven for yep. those things, that we and and often it's just because what is the one thing is like we want to seek our own way, and we're you know sin in the sense of disagreement with God, which is saying like no, I got this one. This is the way this needs to go, and not doing what He's told us to do. So.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, I, okay, here, I'm a huge Mm -hmm. fan of Capstone. Uh, One of my favorite parts of it is actually the part that we've left out so far. Yes, we're getting there. Presentation. Presentation. Um, You have the students um, divide into, you know, smaller groups, about Mm -hmm. five or six of them Mm -hmm. in each, right? And they they go and they have to stand in front of a, a group of adults. And they have to present kind of what they've learned by walking through this process, and yes. it's a really um, for uh, for a lot of students, public speaking huge mm-hmm. you know fear, um, but it's a really neat thing to watch them um, synthesize right this process that they've gone through, and then kind of say, okay, what does that mean to me? Right, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an 18 year old student. I'm about to walk onto a college campus. How can I process this so that it makes sense to me, so that I can walk onto the campus? really understanding what I've just wrestled with for a whole year. And it, there's, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I mean, there's some really powerful statements that these students have made that yes. I've, I've gotten to hear and I've gotten to listen to, you know, that you've gotten to hear and listen to. And it's, it's an amazing ending to that whole process. And I know it seems like it's a long process for those students, yes. but when it wraps up with those words, those gold nuggets that they walked away with it, it's like, it seems like, man, that's, that's worth it. That's really powerful.
1: I think a lot of them, it's interesting because they come in kind of dreading it. When mm-hmm. they get done with it, it's like many things. I always tell students, I don't really love to write, but I love having written, yes. um, looking, back at, looking back at things and saying, I did do that. Yeah. And I did process those things. You really don't know a subject till you write about it. Yeah. It requires um, a certain level of, of knowledge and understanding and the process as you go to, to do that. So. One of the things I find interesting when I read those last papers, as much as they're like, oh, you know, it's like I got to do this one last thing or whatever, when they get into it and truly it's – reflect because it's a reflection on the book. It's a reflection on the process, all those things. Mm-hmm. Is there some things that they really do say, you know, I didn't realize this, but That's now right. I've come to this. So I think it's a very powerful piece of the whole capstone and to be able to look back – at all of it and think, where did I come from and where am I now? And realizing that I can go through a process and, you know, garner these things. And then also realizing that kind of whatever process we go through academically, that in the end, it is the biblical lens that brings, you know, really the flourish of meaning yes. to all of it. Yeah. And so that's a really significant thing. And a lot of them, they don't like the, – going into it, they're all freaked by the presentation part. Not all of them, but I'd say 80 percent at least. They're just like, we have to do what and there's going to be what and who's going to be in there, yeah. who they, they generally ask
0: for me. I know that. I know they all yeah, like. Where, Can we be with Mr. Yes. Panetti? Mr. Panetti, uh, he's the, our CC. favorite.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we want to be. In, <laughs> it's and so they get. Um, but when they're finished doing the presentations, they're all like, you know, that wasn't so bad, and yeah. I really kind of enjoyed that, and they yeah. get a lot of positive notes back, and I think for people who get to listen to those. It's interesting because I've been in a few of them. I usually am outside sort of managing where everybody is and making sure everybody gets in the rooms and et cetera and, you know, troubleshooting anything. But the one year I had to go in because we were short a judge and really some students, I mean, who are moved to tears, not that like we're trying to make people cry, but really the emotional moment of realizing like, wow. Yep. PCA really has meant something to me and I've kind of maybe blown it off or kind of been cynical or kind of been whatever. But it's like really at the end of it, if I just stop here, move myself aside and realize what God's done and what he's given me and the gift of, of being able to have this experience has been phenomenal. It is. And, um, uh, yeah, I've, yeah. Said it,
0: I've said it in many where students have cried, um, boys and girls, right? right? Just yes. move to tears about the, as I reflect on my time here, what I've learned, um, this piece of literature that I've done this evaluation on, right? It's like, that's great, but here's the deal. It's in a sense, um, you know, I talk about this, like when you read scripture, it reads you at the same time. And this is their process of kind of going through and not just reading a book, but allowing right that experience to kind of read them. And, and say, where, where are you in life and what do you value and what are you going to do with this? And it's a very powerful time. I mean, I'm glad you brought it. I'm glad you fine-tuned it into what it is today. I know it's a very difficult process for the students to go through. But as you said, right, you don't ask for anything, you know, more from them than you're willing to give yourself. And I think that's a, a thing from, you know, our teachers, you know, here at PCA is, you know, we're students too. Right? And, and we're learning and we're growing and, and we're doing this with our students, um, and, but we want to help them to get to the place where we're confident that when we send them to the next stage, right, they're prepared and equipped for what's going to come at them in life. And I think capstone is a really important and big part of that.
1: I appreciate that. And I have to say, just shout out to you. Amy Stevens helps me a lot with it. I mean, when I started it, I had to have her partnership as head of the history department. And then she has been just instrumental in helping me to fine tune it over the years to get to where we are now. Yeah. So I appreciate that.
0: It's awesome. It's awesome. Well, any okay. last words of wisdom that you'd like to throw out to our parents? Um, I know that uh, you know they're they're excited for those younger students are excited about you know maybe Dr. Merriam is still going to be there when my son or daughter comes through and uh, uh, you know I have been privileged to have a couple of my kids have you as a teacher. Um, Campbell's the last one, so if uh, you know if you're so fortunate, I, I, I will say this: one of the things I love about you, um, mostly you teach seniors, yes, but every once in a while you will teach throw a, you'll throw a freshman class in there, <laughs> and I'm always kind of like. Isn't that the class you want to avoid? But yet you have a way, right, of not only connecting with all of our students, right, not just, not just seniors who are, you know, AP level, right, but just, you know, knucklehead freshman boys who I don't want to read this book and I'm not going to read this book. You have an incredible way of connecting with all of our students no matter where they are and moving them from wherever they are to a better place.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I will say, yes, the freshmen, I, I, when I do it, it's college prep freshmen and um, – couple of my philosophies about education, I've also taught college prep seniors at a time. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm head of the department, so, the, you know, it's kind of like the responsibility in my mind. Whatever needs to be done is what I need yes. to do. Um, I think also because I have taught AP and Honor Seniors English for a long time. And that, it, you know, it's, it's my love mainly because a lot of the literature that I get to teach at that level I really enjoy. Right. But, A lot of it is to say, one, I always want to demonstrate to my students, anything God calls you to, if you ever think something is beneath you that God has called you to, you are in big time trouble. Amen. So, you know, that is something, it's like the servant's heart idea of, you know, like when I came here too, I mean, I was an assistant drama director at the school where I came from for a number of years. Don't ask me how I got into that. But anyway, but when I came here, it's like, you know, they have this incredible, you know, full drama department that's amazing. So it's like, I was happy to go and be on the, you know, I just was like, let me be on the set crew. I mean, this year I'm not doing it because I'm going with FPS. (laughs) But but it's like, well, and you know, I just, I, I, you know, they have stage managers and also I'm working for like my kids, whatever. I'm just like, tell me what to do. I, and I think that's something we need to model for our students Mm. is the sense of humility that says in different places, there are different people that are experts in different areas. And, You know, nothing is beneath me in that regard. Um, And I think a lot of our culture, you know, has lost that. So teaching freshmen keeps me humble um, when I get to do those things and realize the incredible giftedness that somebody like Shannon Lichty has for that age group that I don't necessarily have, but God has, you know, stretched me in that regard. And which brings me to another thing. One thing that some of the things that God's taught me when I came here. You know, being in God's will does not necessarily mean being comfortable. Mm. And most of the time, it doesn't mean being comfortable. So that stretching that you have to do that makes you feel sort of out of your element um, and things, you know, I think people think, oh, if I follow the will of God, you know, and he opened this door, it's going to be all these little things (laughs) are going to fall into order. And that's not really how it works because that's not how we grow. I mean, we grow through difficulties and obstacles and and those sorts of things. And and that, you know, in the end, I mean, God's idea is not like what we become. And I got this title or I got this degree or I got whatever. His whole thing of us is who we are. Mm -hmm. And however he shapes that is what's significant in our life. So, you know, that's one thing in raising your young people is focusing more on that than these things that can be listed on a piece of paper as levels of achievement or whatever. I mean, that's great and I know that's something that speaks to our world, but I think it's so important that that the first and foremost thing. I know there's a oh in Oswald Chambers My Utmost for His Highest. Mm. He has a devotion's out of July sometime. I actually put it in my um, information when I teach Death of a Salesman and All My Sons is he talks in one of those devotions about, you know, God is not concerned with us reaching a particular plateau, his idea of like you know, earning this or doing this. And, you know, we measure our life often like graduate from high school. I graduated from college. I was in this career. Then I got this raise and I got this promotion. And I got that's, you know, God's whole Trajectory is something very, very different. It is. that is about growth and internally who we become, which is then going to affect what we do in all those places and positions. And so that's something of you know just that the focus would definitely be on that, and and just also to say how much I really appreciate the PCA family and uh, my colleagues here are amazing. I have the most incredible department, and I couldn't. Those are the things that moved me to tears when I think about what in the world did I do or I didn't do, obviously, um, that God chose to bless me with the number of people who have come through my life, uh, my colleagues, but also just my students. I mean, that I know so many people in so many places that have, you know, poured into me. My students pour into me as much as I pour into them, and they encourage me. They challenge me. um, They have helped my growth um, in the Lord and my relationship with him. So, you know, that's the other thing. The whole age grade society is kind of crazy. Like, you know, we grow up and, and the idea that somebody can say something to me, that's a young person that, you know, convicts me. And I think, wow, you know, here's this 17, 18 year old that gets this. And, and I've kind of, you know, lost track of that and I haven't noticed that. And so that's a very convicting thing, but I love to be on your show, Dan.
0: I love it. Thank you for your time. And thanks for just all the work that you do, uh, the love that you have, uh, first and foremost, for the Lord, um, for your family, um, and then just for the PCA community and the PCA family. Uh, It's been great to watch you here for the last decade. I can't believe it's been a decade. Um, And uh, and congratulations on uh, the doctorate. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you for investing the time to listen to this episode of The Journey. Please take a minute to share with friends and family who will also benefit from this valuable resource. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast app. It is truly our blessing and honor to walk with you on The Journey.